this is where I, I talk about what's, uh, what's referred to as a systems approach to health. And what that means is you have to look at all the underlying processes. Inflammation is probably one of the most uh, significant, profound causes of aging and um, our health issues, uh, cardiovascular disease and low testosterone and obesity and so on. Insulin resistance, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about sexual function at some point today. Insulin resistance is directly tied to your ability to have an erection in the bedroom. And so that's how your nutrition is very important when it comes to having sex. Hey there, my friend. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Father Project podcast. And boy, do we have a good conversation for you today, because today we are joined by guest expert, Dr. Tracy Gappin, who's a physician, entrepreneur, and a leading expert in the field of male performance optimization. Dr. Gappin is a board certified by the American Board of Urology and a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, and he's dedicated his life and actually created his clinic, the Gappin Institute in Sarasota, Florida, to help men improve their sexual health, their testosterone levels, their prostate health, and just maximize their overall well-being. And in today's conversation, I basically pick Dr. Tracy's brain on what's going on today with men's health. He talks about the huge decreases in men's testosterone levels today and some of the culprits of that, gives some practical suggestions on ways we can improve our nutrition, our training to improve testosterone levels. He even talks about some new technologies that he uses in his clinic, like the Gaines Wave, to actually increase circulation and blood growth in the penis. So this is a far wide-ranging conversation. And at the end, Dr. Gappin also shows a lot of wisdom and shares that with us for what we can do in the future. So I think you're really going to love this. Tune in, buckle up, and let's get into today's conversation with Dr. Tracy Gappin. All right, Dr. Tracy, welcome officially to the Fit Father Project podcast, my friend. I'm happy to have you here. Hey, man. Good to be here. How are you? Good. So today's conversation is going to be great. I want to talk all about men's health. I want to talk about all the ways you help men treat some important things right now, erectile dysfunction, hormone optimization. You know, you're an expert in this field, so I'm grateful you're here. And I'd love to kick off for you to give your synopsis on what you see is going on right now with just like men's health in general, particularly 40 plus and like what's what's up right now. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks so much. You know, I am a board certified urologist by background, and I've spent uh, almost 25 years now in medicine, specifically focused on men's health. And uh, it's interesting. We are seeing um, a, a real crisis. I call it a testosterone pandemic uh, that's not getting any attention. And what I mean by that is we have several large studies that are largely ignored. Uh, one big one here in the U.S. and two in Europe that were longitudinal studies that showed over the past two decades, free testosterone level, which we know is way more important than total testosterone, free testosterone has plummeted by 45%. So that's a pretty astounding number. So let me really highlight why that's important. We're talking about a 50-year-old guy today has a free testosterone level that is 45% lower than a 50-year-old guy 20 years ago. And it continues to drop every year. It's insane. Oh, wow. And it's not all about sex. It's not all about building muscle. You know, people think that testosterone is, is not that important, but it's everything. You know, it has to do with a, a man's cognitive function. It has to do with our mood. It has to do with our energy, our productivity. It's directly tied to cardiovascular health and actually longevity as well. And so it's massively important. And uh, I, I think this is really a, a crisis that's not getting any attention. For sure. I mean... 
astounding what you just shared there for sure. A 45% drop in the free active hormone that can bind to the receptors and lead to all the different gene expression from that. Like that is nuts. Okay. So why? Next why question. Why? What? Well, yeah. Why? What do you think's going on? Why is what, great? Great question. That, yeah, that's, that's the common next step. So, you know, we know that our our crummy, uh, you know, Western diet full of all the the seed oils and the omega six polyunsaturated fats and the sugar is certainly uh, promoting it. We know that stress promotes or higher stress than we've ever been before. We know the crummy sleep affects it as well. But I actually believe that it's something much bigger than that. And the short answer is toxins. And so what I mean by that is endocrine disruptors, uh, which is defined really as anything that that disrupts hormone productivity, function, production, receptor level activity, whatever it may be, um, that affects ultimately endocrine function. And um, we know from several studies that there are massive endocrine disruptors in our society that we're exposed to every day. That's causing issues like low testosterone, autoimmune disease, obesity, diabetes, uh, even things like cancer and, and uh, mood issues, depression, et cetera. And so what are endocrine disruptors? Well, I'll give you an example of uh, plastic water bottles, plastic food containers, all the chemicals they spray on our crops, especially in the Midwest, um, all of the uh, chemicals that are injected into the animals that we eat. We can look at personal care products like our deodorant, shampoo, sunscreen, uh, laundry detergent, cosmetics, anything like that, plastics around us, like plastics in our car, even plastic IV tubing. You go to the hospital, you think you're being, you're being given good care. That plastic is leaching into our bodies and it's causing uh, significant effects on hormone function that's been well-documented. Even the water we drink is laden with estradiol, which is uh, you know women's birth control. It gets filtered into our water supply and our municipal treatment centers are not equipped at filtering it out. And so we are on birth control. All the men who are listening, I like to joke, you are on birth control because we are getting estradiol in our water, whether you want it or not. Hmm. Wow. I mean, yes, crazy. (laughs) You know, I actually, I heard a I don't know exactly where this comes from, but they did do some testing of newborns umbilical cords and they found that they have over 200 different chemicals in a newborn's umbilical day, like flame retardants, plastics, the BPA, all this different kinds of stuff. So these are, these are disrupting. Can you explain to guys how these things lower testosterone specifically? We don't need to get too deep into science, but are they, are they causing a greater conversion of testosterone to estrogen? Are they blocking the receptor sites testosterone binds to? They're obviously decreasing function. I mean, the testes in the brain are probably not communicating as well. What's go? How does it happen? Yeah, they, they work a couple of different ways. One is they can alter production of testosterone. One is they can block testosterone from binding to the androgen receptor. And when they do that, they act like, a, like, an, uh, like an estrogen, basically. And normally when testosterone binds to an androgen receptor, it's like turning on a light switch. You turn it on, and then later that switch turns back off again. You come back, turn it on again. When estradiol sticks to these receptors or when a synthetic estrogen or an estrogenic compound like an endocrine disruptor binds to an androgen receptor, it sticks to it like glue. And so it's turned on without ever turning off. And so that overstimulation basically of that androgen receptor leads to that problem. So it's a couple of different uh, scientific causes. Uh, either it's, it's affecting testosterone production or more commonly affecting the androgen receptor. Nice. I have a question too. Based on your background, what's the effect of these excess estrogens on prostate and the prostate growth in the later bit of life? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I actually haven't gotten that question in all these podcasts. I'm glad you asked that. 
You know, we believe that prostate growth is actually largely stimulated and promoted not by testosterone, to some effect by DHT, definitely, but mostly by estrogen. That's what I learned in school. And I was curious if that was actually true, because I know you would know it of anybody. It is. Yeah. And we believe that prostate cancer is likely related to that as well. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? Okay. So next question that almost is being begged out of this thread here is what do guys do? Like, where do you start? So guys here, like listening to this, many of them have gone through this, but you know, okay, you're stressed. You have a bunch of shit all over that you don't even know about that's impacting you. And you're used to using plastics for things. You're not eating very great and your sleep's not awesome. Like, how do you start to unwind this picture? Like when people come to you directly for help, how do you, how do you guide them through the best first steps? Absolutely. So I I have actually created a program around this. And the key is that we are complex organisms. We are a complex network of systems that all come together that intricately interact with each other. And so when we try to simplify it, like all these T clinics at every corner now, it seems here, here's a shot of testosterone. You're not fixing anything. That's not, that's not solving the problem. That's just giving you a a quick little bandaid for the next 10 days. And then it's going to drift back down. And that's not really identifying the cause either. And so this is where I I talk about what's, uh, what's referred to as a systems approach to health. And what that means is you have to look at all the underlying processes. Inflammation is probably one of the most uh, significant, profound causes of aging and um, our health issues, uh, cardiovascular disease and low testosterone and obesity and so on. Insulin resistance, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about sexual function at some point today. Insulin resistance is directly tied to your ability to have an erection in the bedroom. And so that's how your nutrition is very important when it comes to having sex. We look at things like oxidative stress. You know, oxidative stress is basically when when your body is is overwhelmed with toxins, like the toxins we were just talking about, and your body's not equipped to handle it, not not equipped to to detoxify itself. If you have bad gut health, for example, and then catabolic physiology. If your hormones are off, if you're in in a, a high cortisol state, it's crushing testosterone, crushing thyroid. Um, crushing growth hormone, and all that leads to a catabolic state where you're breaking down not just your muscle, but the lining of your gut. And that's where everything starts and ends is the lining of your gut. Right. And then you got the whole post of problems that start from there. I see you totally laid that whole thing out. It's challenging. I mean, but it goes to show too, I, I think this is probably the transition into erectile dysfunction right now because... You know, I think many guys think of their penis as a like discrete entity that's not connected to their whole circulatory system. And from what you were sharing there, right, based on maybe blood pressure changes, what's floating in the blood? Are there tons of triglycerides floating in the blood? Are you insulin resistant? There's lots of sugar. How does this whole process of just being unhealthy have an impact on erections? And then what can guys do both with lifestyle stuff and other treatments to improve their erections with age? Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize that when we look at sexual function or lack thereof, it is a symptom. So erectile dysfunction is not a diagnosis or a problem in and of itself. It's a symptom of an underlying problem, namely one of the ones we just talked about. And I'll explain why. An erection is nothing more, as we know, as as just increased blood flow to the penis. That's simply all it is, engorgement of blood in the penis. And that's, that's basically what happens. But how does that happen? And here's the key. The key is you have blood vessels, arteries that that bring blood in the penis and they dilate. They get wider, bigger, increased diameter so that more blood can rush in and that blood then gets trapped in the penis to uh, to create an erection. 
Now, how does that happen? Well, the lining of the blood vessel, the endothelium, has to relax. The smooth muscle outside of that endothelium has to relax. And how does that happen? Well, it secretes a hormone called nitric oxide. And I would, I would submit that nitric oxide is one of the most important hormones in our body that no one knows about. And so the endothelium produces nitric oxide, which causes this vasodilation. Well, what affects nitric oxide production? Insulin resistance. Hmm. Insulin resistance, which is our body's lack of ability to handle glucose properly from our gut, from our pancreas, from eating like crap, not, not taking care of your body. That directly affects the endothelial production of nitric oxide. And so that's directly why that affects it. We can look at stress. Stress causes inflammation. High cortisol causes inflammation. Crummy sleep causes inflammation. Uh, micronutrient deficiencies, poor gut health. All of these major health issues cause inflammation. They cause insulin resistance. And that's how it trickles down to affect sexual function. So we need to think of sexual function as a symptom of much bigger problems. Yeah, a fantastic answer for sure. And I also know like the state of the nervous system has a big quality on erections, like parasympathetic to engorge that and sympathetic eventually when there's ejaculation, if that's what happens. But like we're in a stressed state. I imagine like even the, the mental aspect of it too, on top of these physiologic changes for people, it's no surprising so many guys have a lot of problems. And I saw the stats, it might be up to like 50% of men will have some kind of ED like by age 60, I think. And that those stats could be, you could know better stats than that. But I just was shocked by how wide reaching this is. All right. So how do we practically improve ED? I want a little bit of lifestyle changes and whatever you'd suggest and maybe some supplementation, whatever you, but I also want to talk about what you use with Gainswave because I think that's an important technology application here. And I want to make sure people know about that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I do think, uh, I love what you just said. I do think it's important just to touch back on that for just a moment. The The psychological parts of ED is something that I think is worth just pointing out that it's a super common problem. And then a lot of guys may have some vascular insufficiencies and nervous issues and testosterone hormone issues, whatever. But a lot of guys on top of that will have some psychological issues that um, I think are, it's really important to recognize where, you know, we're proud individuals. Men are simple. <laughs> we just want to, we want to feel important and we want to be able to, to perform. And when a guy can't perform, and that may be just from, hey, he's not quite into it, yeah. that particular episode. He uh, maybe had a couple too many drinks that night, and um, or maybe he's uh, uh, overstressed or tired. Whatever it was, he couldn't perform that one time. Well, then it gets in his head. And then the next time, all he's thinking about is, well, shit, I got to perform this time. I got I to gotta make sure I'm on this time. I want her to know that I'm the man. And next thing you know, you start becoming so focused on, I got to perform. I hope I don't fail again that it becomes this vicious, ugly cycle where you can't get out of your own way. And so the psychology part of it is a big deal, happens a lot. And um, a lot of guys uh, really need help in overcoming that. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. Nice. But back to your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to touch that. You asked about Gainswave. Yeah. Well, first off, like what practically speaking, if we know we need to improve insulin sensitivity, we need to decrease inflammation in the body, promote healthy circulation, good endothelium. Like what do we do? What are like the ground floor approaches? And then what are more of the technological, more like direct applications? Yeah, sure. So lifestyle wise, there's a lot we can do. You know, uh, nutrition, I mentioned earlier that the two biggest evils in our world are sugar and omega-6 
fats, which are the seed oils, the vegetables, canola oil, sunflower oil, partially hydrogenated corn oil. Tell some people some good oils too while they're listening. Good oils and fats generally for topping and cooking that you suggest. Yeah. So any of those oils that come in a, in a, in a package, you want to avoid the canola oil, sunflower oil are definitely going to be harmful for you. The healthy fats are going to be the ones like um, olive oil without question. It's a monounsaturated fat, very good for you. Um, olive oil and avocado oil is becoming more yeah. and more available now as well. That's a solid high heat oil too. Yeah, avocado oil. Yeah. So look, look at the you know the monounsaturated fats like olive oil. You can look at salmon uh, as a great omega three polyunsaturated. Uh, walnuts, almonds, macadamia nuts, avocado, flaxseed. Those are all great omega three uh, polyunsaturated, which are great sources of, of, of healthy fats. You want to um, certainly moderate saturated fats and you want to try to, if you can, completely avoid the omega-6 as much as possible because those are pro-inflammatory. And so looking at lifestyle, avoiding those is going to be the key to um, you know, trying to preserve sexual function. Um, stress would be the other big one. You know, Studies show that over 60% of men are struggling with the consequence of stress without even realizing it. Uh, promotes inflammation. It causes weight gain. It causes issues with sleep. And sleep begets poor sleep. Sleep raises cortisol, which crushes your sleep, and it becomes an ugly cycle. Um, and so that's a really big part of it as well. Getting outside in the morning is a great hack that I can't recommend enough. It helps lower cortisol. It helps with melatonin production at night. Um, and so uh, grounding is great for that as well. Obviously, regular exercise. Everyone's going to tell you eat more vegetables, exercise more. You know that goes without question. Um, you know, exercise is something that I think is really important to highlight. A lot of guys like to do cardio, and and uh, when we're looking at boosting testosterone, boosting sexual function, cardio is not where it's at. It's the strength training, it's the interval training, it's the the heavy stuff, move stuff, move heavy stuff, lift heavy stuff. If you're running on a treadmill for an hour, you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, for sure. And you can get a lot of that cardio with while doing weights as well. That's like the workouts we prescribe in Fit Father are like they're like circuit training with weights. We call them metabolic resistance training. You're doing squats, shoulder presses, rows, but you're doing them like quickly, so you're getting cardio too. But yeah, those are a hundred percent. And you know, on the sun thing too is interesting. I love your take on this. If you've read any of the research, but getting sun on the testicles might might increase testosterone too, or at least the kind of certain spectrum of light. Maybe it's just red light you can blast too. But it kind of makes sense to me. We came from indirect contact with the sun, obviously raising vitamin D raises test levels. I don't know if you know anything about sunbathing the balls, but some people are believers it increases T or do you think it's just hogwash? I'd be curious your thoughts. Yeah, that, that's funny. That, that's been all over social media the last couple of days. And, and, uh, has it that, yeah, the, the science out there is, I mean, it, it makes sense. I'll put it this way. It, it make, if you think about the conceptually it makes sense, there's just not a lot of science yet to support that. That certainly may be the case. It may, it may be a great, um, that'd be a, that'd be a fun study, right? Fun study. Yeah. There's just not, a lot of, you know, I'm all, I'm all science driven, you know, yeah. driven, and there's just not a lot of science there, but it may, certainly makes sense. Cool. All right. Gains wave. This is why I want to take it in this direction now. So you have this device and this great technology that can help improve sexual health. Tell us about some of the results you see and like, let's get into that for the next few minutes. Yeah, sure. So they found, uh, incidentally, that shockwave therapy, which is what we have used for kidney stones for 20 plus years, shockwave therapy had this amazing effect when they looked in the lab. It actually promoted a process called angiogenesis, which means creating new blood vessels, laying the foundation for new blood flow. And so that led, obviously, we know that erections are all about blood flow. So that led to studies, hey, can this treatment uh, increase blood flow? And in the lab, at the, at the bench level, as well as clinically in patient studies, it does. 
Low-intensity shockwave therapy does improve blood flow of the penis quantitatively as well as uh, qualitatively um, by patient survey and, and long-term studies have shown great outcomes with it. And so uh, low-intensity shockwave therapy is a great treatment for regenerating, repairing, recovering normal, healthy sexual function by improving blood flow. I think it's important to point out that there are four general causes, if you will, of erectile dysfunction. One is poor blood flow, which we've been talking about mostly here today. Uh, one is hormones. You know, testosterone is the most common one we're aware of. One would be nerves, so neuropathies, nerve injury from surgery, pelvic trauma, that kind of stuff. Um, and then psychological, which we touched on earlier as well. And so I think it's important to point out that that uh, gains wave is a treatment that that I support when specifically applied to those who have vascular source uh, arterial insufficiency as a source of their ED. And so I, I like to um, um, I like to be clear and transparent that I think it's a great treatment when chosen for the uh, properly selected patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great answer. And so are the waves it's putting out is it kind of like an ultrasound? Is it an ultrasound? Like what's what like what what is it what is it emitting? And I'm sure there's some special sauce to it that makes it a little different than yeah. Uh, it, it's actually almost like a jackhammer emitting um, sound waves, if you will, shock waves, if you will. And so it actually sounds tick 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 as it's working, and you can feel um, pulses as it's, as it's coming out. Um, and it, it's it's transmitting almost like a magnifying glass. It's transmitting through the skin to a focal point to activate or stimulate stem cells at that level to repair and remodel and create new blood flow. Nice. New arteries, if you will. All right. That's cool. And so if a guy is interested in pursuing this, he thinks I have the type of ED that is driven by poor circulation. I've tried to do some stuff, but I think this could help me. Where does one start to look at these kinds of things. Like how many doctors like you do this kind of stuff? What's the best way to kind of find somebody? And obviously in their fleer in Florida, correct? They could always come see you or. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, we do a lot of work with gains wave. We do a lot of work with uh, PRP or platelet rich plasma, which we'll often use in combination with gains wave. Uh, we do a lot of exosomes, uh, stem cell treatments as well as often tandem and combination. Um, but I want to emphasize that while uh, there are there are a number of places out there that do gains wave, obviously it's not something that's unique to here the Gapping Institute here in Sarasota. But what I bring to it is the systems approach and understanding that you have to treat the underlying causes, the underlying physiologic uh, damage that's causing that symptom, and not just focus solely on that symptom, or else you're really missing the bigger picture. I've had so many guys come see me where they've had gains weight previously somewhere else and it worked great. I'm fine. And then two, three years later, they're back to where they started. Super, super common unless you fix the underlying issues. Yeah. So do people fly in and work with you remotely? Like if someone's listening here and they really like what you've been sharing, is that something you offer? Um, I do a ton of telehealth actually. So I work with guys on Zoom, on telehealth uh, conferencing all day, actually from around the country. So we're able to accommodate. We have, and we have I have a network of doctors that we work with as well. So if there's any state that I'm potentially not licensed in, I have a doctor that can help us in that state. Cool. All right. Well, I want to bring it back and really just kind of give you the platform for a few more minutes on what you feel like is important messages you want to share with men today about men's health. I know we've talked about quite a few of them today. I just think you have a very unique perspective based on patients you treat, but also the larger audience. And like, what kind of message do you want to leave these guys with today who are listening? Oh, I appreciate it. You know, I, I think we're at a pivotal point here in time where we need to understand 
that our current approach to health is failing. You know, we have disease model medicine here in the U.S. where we're focused on treating your symptoms, stamping out disease or illness, just to get you back to some crummy base on some crummy neutral. Yeah. And what I focus on is a, a new area, of, uh, literally a new area of medicine I'm creating called high-performance medicine. And it's all about taking you from that neutral point where you are left by traditional medicine and get you to optimize health to true, you know, true peak performance, if you will, and um, you know, focus on optimization, focus on longevity, focus on you know, helping you really fulfill your highest potential. And so that means going beyond traditional medicine. That means focusing on, you know, what I like to do is I combine traditional medicine with functional medicine, with genetics. You know, I use a lot of work to, to individualize my care based on someone's genetics. Wearable tech to track it. We haven't talked at all about, you know, how do you actually track outcomes? How do you know that what we're doing is working? And so um, I, I'm a massive believer in using wearable technology to track data points. And, and when you can track it, you can manage it. And when you can manage it, you can leverage that data. And so understanding how to incorporate um, biometric tracking and genetics. And I have a, a team of health coaches that work with me as well because I'm humble and like to uh, accept and admit the fact that I can't do it all on my own. And, you know, medicine takes us to a certain point. A lot of it comes down to accountability and, and, and you know, can I get you to make the lifestyle changes that you have to make at home? I can't be with you holding your hand all day. And so uh, my team of health coaches, uh, functional medicine trained health coaches, We'll work with my clients also remotely so uh, they can hopefully provide some guidance and accountability. And I tell you what, Doc, it's putting all those pieces together that that not a lot of people out there are doing, but I think it's so important. And, and that's how we're going to really transform men's health. It sounds like you seriously have one of the coolest clinics in, in institutes I've heard of, like, especially with just like the arm with the health coaches. Like we know so directly because we are the interface with people who are using our program to lose the weight. The coaching element is so key. So they get your expertise. They have the wide suite of your perspective and all these therapies and health coaches. It's no wonder you're helping so many people be successful. And I'm glad you're out there being a champion for men's health from a very scientific yet approachable perspective. It's like, it's really cool to see you bringing your data driven, but also seeing the future. And I guess you did tease this a little bit. And I think, you know, we have a few more minutes. I would like you to talk a little bit more about some testing because I, I think testing and, and data tracking is is important and you do a lot of that. What testing, what what testing would be important for guys to know about in today's day and age? Maybe we talk about blood work, but maybe we also talk about some cool genetic testing that you're really into that you think is moving the needle. Oh yeah, we can talk about all kinds of stuff. So so blood testing, you know, markers of inflammation are important. Um, metabolic health markers, looking at fasting insulin, cardiovascular health, looking at you know total cholesterol, LDL, HDL. Those are completely worthless. Um, I know your doctor; that's all they know. So they look at your total cholesterol and, and try to put you on a statin based on that. Check your LDL particle count. So you're doing particle count, particle size, yeah. Oh, on, on everybody, yeah. yeah. NMR fractionation, everybody. ApoB. Yeah. If you if there's one single marker to look at at cardiovascular risk, it's not LDL, HDL, total cholesterol. It's ApoB. That's your biggest marker you want to look at for cardiovascular health. I got to pause you for a sec. So if someone hears this and they're like, man, I'm going to my doctor every single year and I'm getting the same total cholesterol, HDL, LDL, medication stays the same scenario. What do they ask for specifically to get the proper labs where they're actually going to get some of the stuff about particle number, particle size, and like some of the fractionated LDL numbers? Yeah. Yeah. You can simply ask for an NMR fractionation. Okay. They are, or an advanced lipid panel looking at at particle count, particle size, the particle pattern. You know, we, we don't care about the LDL concentration, which is typically what's being um, calculated on a typical lab. 
We care about the particle count because the increased particle number is what's going to get into the actual blood vessel lining. And so we care about the particle number more than anything. And typically, the smaller the particle size equates with... Yeah, exactly. The SDLDL is going to typically mean a higher particle number. And so that's way more important than the concentration. Yeah. So that's huge. That's that's huge. Well, I just got to pause for that because like this is the freaking blood work that we do all around the world. And so everyone listen to this. If you don't know your fractionated numbers, take it from Dr. Tracy, get those. The perspective you're going to have on your cardiovascular health is going to be phenomenally better. They also do typically include markers like ApoB or LP little a or some other things that your doctor can explain to you. And that's good. But now hormone side of things, I cut you off before you said testosterone. So take us through that from there. Yeah. So, so, you know, look at hormones, testosterone, you want to focus on the free testosterone, much more important than the total testosterone. Um, free testosterone is the actual bioavailable or active form of testosterone. So be sure your doctor is checking free. Um, thyroid is one that's often overlooked in men. It's actually a massive issue that if your testosterone is low, nine times out of 10, your thyroid is probably going to be low as well. And I think it's worth pointing out something that's important here when it comes to thyroid and testosterone and some other labs. When you look at your lab slip, and you look at the range on the right there, and then you look at your number, and often it'll be highlighted high or low or red or black or whatever. It's important to understand that range on the right is not the normal range. People come to me and they have like a, t- a total testosterone of 500, which it sucks, first of all. Uh, but they'll say, oh, it's normal. Well, no, it's not normal. 500 is far from normal, but they're looking at that reference range. And they say, oh, well, look at this reference range. And the reference range is 197 to 700, and I'm at 500. Well, no, BS. So let me explain what that reference range is. The reference range is simply a bell curve of the population as a whole. So LabCorp, Quest, they'll look at all their billions of testosterone tests they've done over the past year, and they'll look at at what was the median of all those tests being done, the median, and then they'll go two standard deviations on either side of that median. Think of it like a bell curve, and that's your reference range. So it's not normal. It's not ideal. It's not optimal. It's simply what the population is. Now, go back to the very beginning of our podcast interview today, and what did I start with? 40% decrease in free tea, right? Exactly. We have three huge studies in the U.S., Sweden, and Finland that all show the same damn thing. Free tea has dropped by 45% in the last two decades. So now think about that reference rate. No one talks about this. That reference range keeps shifting to the left, to the left every single year. When I was in training, I think the numbers were the low end was like 450, 480, and the high end was 1,200. Dang. 400 used to be off the charts on the low end. Now 400 is considered, oh, you're kind of normal. And so it's important to recognize that. And that's the same for thyroid as well, DHEA as well, where that range keeps shifting to the left. And so don't be misled into this false sense of complacency when you see that reference range. I got all fired up by this because it, 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 it's, it's very deceiving that um, we're being led to believe that that those numbers are okay when they're just not. Nice. Powerful, powerful perspectives here, people. I mean, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm really glad you got to share that too. And in closing, what are you seeing as the frontiers of interfacing genetic testing with medicine as it relates to men's health? Like what's going on with some of the genetic testing or what do you believe is important and what are we going to see more of now? Because I think if people go to an advanced functional medical doctor like you, like they get this suite of care. Most people are probably not going to see this suite of care for many years, but it likely will come. What's happening? Yeah. Genetics are really critical to avoid the the one size fits all model that we know just doesn't work. Um, And I'll give you an example. So um, we were talking earlier about nutrition and we're talking specifically about fats, which I, I love that you asked that question. 
a lot of guys will come in and they're on the keto diet and they're running on a treadmill for an hour a day and they can't lose weight and they feel like crap and they're, and they're on testosterone is not helping. And they're like, doc, just tell me what to do. Well, looking at the genetics, we can see that people, based on your genetics, you will do well with certain types of nutrition. Mm-hmm. So we can look at genes specifically, like, like the PLIN1 gene is a gene related to carbohydrate metabolism. And, the, and there's actually a, about 15 that go into an algorithm, but that's probably the most impactful one. That gene tells us how well you process carbs. And so for some people, yeah, you can actually lose weight, build muscle better with higher complex carb intake than lower. And so those guys that do better with higher complex carbs, they're actually hurting themselves doing keto. There's genetics around saturated fat that tell us that certain people do very, very poorly with saturated fat intake. It leads to inflammation, it leads to um, elevated lipid numbers, and it leads to early onset of um, uh, vascular disease and Alzheimer's disease. And so people with certain variants of the APOE gene, you want to limit saturated fats. And so those guys, the carnivore and the keto diets are typically not the best choice. Yeah. Right. Um, we have genes around fitness that tell us whether you would do better with interval and uh, power training versus strength or endurance training. And so based on your genetics, you, you may want to specifically focus on purely interval, for example. Um Genetics around mitochondrial function, around detox, around hormones that we can use to really individualize things. And, you know, hey, based on this test, Mr. Smith, I'm going to recommend now that we do a metabolomics test or that we do a GI map test or that we do a micronutrient test to better understand. That's where you can really individualize it. And um, and it's there. It's available for us right now, but most people just aren't doing it. Nice. And this is another thing that people, if they are interested, they can pursue doing that with you guys at clinic, right? You got it. Okay. Nice. Well, we'll have all your details in like the show notes for this. Dr. Tracy, thanks for coming on, dropping some serious wisdom and just like being very eloquent. I appreciate you a lot. Hell yeah, man. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fit Father Project Podcast. If you love what you heard, please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread this show to more men who need this valuable info. To watch full video episodes of this podcast and other motivational videos to inspire your training and more, visit our Fit Father Project YouTube channel. It's free and everything's made for busy guys over 40 like you. Visit youtube.com forward slash Fit Father Project to get access to our entire video library. And finally, if you or someone in your life is interested in becoming a fit father or needs help losing weight, building muscle, and living healthier after age 40, then visit fitfatherproject.com where you can see our proven programs, supplement line for guys 40 plus, and free meal plan and workouts to get you started. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll see you in the next episode.